mouth shut, hold your tongue, don't say something will make you regret. Girl, you better keep your door shut, keep your door shut, the devil's out prowling, I bet. Girl, you better keep your mind shut, this book hasn't failed us yet. legs shut right no don't make me get into it welcome to girl explaining the podcast where two girls who are smarter than you offer expert opinions on a different topic each week i'm elizabeth i'm kylie and you're welcome this week we are covering the notorious rbg that's right it's ruth bader ginsburg time y'all According to Wikipedia, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is an Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. Ginsburg was appointed by President Bill Clinton and took the oath of office on August 10, 1993. She is the second female justice to be confirmed to the court, after Sandra Day O'Connor, and one of four female justices to be confirmed, with Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan, who are still serving. That's right. There are three women justices on the Supreme Court right now. Out of nine. Yeah, which is far more than ever before. <laughs> but not enough. There should be at least five. Um, or, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg has said, nine. Yeah, yeah. There should be nine. Yeah, she's an angel among women. Um... Yeah, I'm excited to talk about, uh, as you said, the, no, the notorious RBG. I uh, I feel like I didn't know enough about her bio before doing this research, and now I'm just like, why are you so perfect? Like, I knew she was perfect based on her current statements and personage, but, like, she's yeah. always been perfect. Yeah, always. Always been perfect. Um, so. She has never not been. It's true. She was born perfect. Um. So, uh, I know that you are interested in the law. Uh, yeah, a, a bit. Uh, so when I was in fifth grade, I did an interview with the Blue Springs Examiner because I was the oh. class president of, uh, Matthews Elementary School. Oh my goodness. Or yeah, not, not class president, student council president. So I was student council president for Matthews Elementary School. Uh, so I did an interview with a local paper, and they asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up, and I told them, which was this. I wanted to be what at the time I thought was called a child advocate. I have since learned that it is a guardian ad litem. Mm-hmm. And then I was going to work my way up from there to become the first female president of the United States. Well, I hope you're not the first. I don't want to be one now, but at the time, <laughs> at the time I was, every time someone said Hillary Clinton, I'd be like, no, I must be the first. Oh, well, you had some inside information. I know, I'm very sad about it now, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, oh, but, so to be clear, I was going to be a lawyer during the day, and right. then on night I would dance on Broadway. Oh, yeah. Um, so clearly I was going to yeah. go to Columbia Law mm-hmm. so that I could be in New York, so that I could dance on Broadway simultaneously. Um... So that interest trailed off once I watched Gilmore Girls and decided I was going to be a journalist like Rory Gilmore. Of course. Uh, but then when I got to school, I was like, you know, maybe I will go to law school. And so I dabbled in some law-related clubs and things like that. And then I was like, no, I won't. And then I <laughs> left school. And then I worked at the Missouri Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence and met three of the coolest lady lawyers I've ever met. And I was like, you know what? I will. Yeah. Uh, and so now I am interested in going to law school. Yes. I'm so excited. That's an amazing story. Um, fifth grade Kylie sounds like a complete boss. And <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I at one point wanted to be a lawyer. Like I, uh, um, I don't know, I like saw Judge Judy a lot. Like I feel like that was... <laughs> Like, I feel like Judge Judy and Allie McBeal were the, the female liars of my, my youth uh, to look up to. Uh, and I, I, did, I did mock trial in middle school. Nice. And it was 
amazing. I was like, I love all of this. This is amazing. And then I, they tried to push me into debate in ninth grade. And I was like, uh, I don't want to argue both sides, only the correct side. I don't like this. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, also, I guess I have an some sort of accent, either uh, Midwestern or specific to me, where people, whenever I would say I wanted to be a lawyer, were like, a liar? Like, every time. And um, so my, my like, 13-year-old female self was like, I just have to change career trajectories because I can't <laughs> deal with people mishearing me. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, so that was basically, yeah. So I, uh, and then I got into, like, art stuff and... Mm -hmm kind of different and also I just I just didn't want to do that much work it's like a lot but I did want a briefcase real bad like I was like very interested in getting a briefcase as a child their traditional law school graduation gift noted mm -hmm. uh, but yeah so I will never have a briefcase uh is basically what I'm saying but you, you can still have one yeah that's true that's true. Um, yep. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to fulfill both of our childhood dreams. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Im impressions of women in the law. Um, I think it is important for women to be involved in the law for the same reason I think it is important for women to be involved in all things. Uh, we mentioned in our episode about gender bias, that people have better outcomes when, well, in general, yeah. people in general have better outcomes with uh, female doctors than male doctors. Uh -huh. uh, but also, I think things like, yeah, as white feminism as it is, lean in with Sheryl Sandberg, she's like, all these different things that these companies that I worked at, they had never considered what women might need differently in the workplace, because... They had never had a woman Absolutely. up in the leadership. So she yeah. talked about how, like, until she was pregnant, they never considered putting, like, parking closer to the building for <sighs> pregnant employees. Yeah. And she was like, uh, I can't go, like, out super far in the commuter lot because I am very, very large and pregnant. And they were like, oh, we never thought of that. And then they put it in. And so it's just stuff like that where it's, like, representation matters in all things. Politics, uh, time and time again, we see that women's outcomes are better when we have representation in politics. Yes. Yeah. And in countries that have more representation, women Stuff is have, better. Yeah. There's uh, more equality. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I don't remember growing up feeling like being a woman and a lawyer were like, two things that might not go together. I just was mm -hmm. like, that seems normal. I mean, I guess... Yeah, same. Yeah. I mean, maybe the media representation of, like, <laughs> Ally McBeal wasn't accurate, but it was, like, representation on TV, and, like, that's what I grew up seeing. So I, I didn't realize how um, difficult it was and still is for women going into law and how there's still not uh equity like I know you were talking about um in looking at going to law school that women tend to get sort of shunted into specific types of law I mean which mm -hmm. is like similar to in medicine I think yeah yeah I agree that representation I think by the time we came along as kiddos was doing good like I had legally blonde Ugh, so course. for me it was like well yeah I can be a lawyer I have brown hair <laughs> Brown-haired women don't have right. a problem. Of course. Brown-haired white women can be lawyers if they want. Uh, it's <laughs> legally blonde. I was like, oh, she was, like, blonde and bubbly. So that's so why it was uh, unique for her to go to law right. school. Which is, like, <laughs> totally nuts. <laughs> but, yeah, there was, like, representations in media and also just, like, in life, I think. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I was like, yeah, women can be lawyers. I also, like, just, like, same way my uh, pediatrician was a woman – I only thought right. women could be, like, I thought only women were doctors for, like, a while. My dad's divorce lawyer, which was the first one I had any, like, interaction with, was a woman. So mm -hmm. maybe, like, that was, I just remembered that fact. So. Yeah. I think that's, like, important for kiddos is, like, the first one of anything, especially mm -hmm. if it's the only one you see for a while. It's, like, that's what those are to you. 
Yeah. Like I thought only women could be teachers because most of my teachers were women. And wow. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Boy teachers. Ugh. I have the, okay, so I recently found, I had this puzzle that, like, I assume when I was a baby I got from a yard sale or something, mm-hmm. and it was, um, like, Fisher Price, and it was a wood puzzle, and it, ha- it was, like, jobs based, but it was, mm-hmm. like, the men were, like, a policeman and a firefighter, firefighter and a, which probably said fireman, and um, a construction worker and like a banker or something. And then there was like a ballerina, uh-huh. a nurse, and a uh-huh. teacher. Yep. And a mom. And those were the female puzzle pieces. So. <laughs> oh, and a doctor. There was a doctor man one too, of course. Because doctors are men and nurses are women. And that was a puzzle that I played with as a child and I didn't notice anything was wrong with it until I found it again as an adult. <laughs> Yep. Boo, Fisher Price of the 1970s. (laughs) I hope you've learned your lessons. All right. Time time to talk about the woman, the legend. The living legend, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yes. Yeah, I I wrote down so many (laughs) bullet points as I was reading her Wikipedia page because it's all amazing. Did I? I even started like with her mom because her mom was also a badass. I know it's so good. Uh, So she was born in Brooklyn in 1933, and her baby nickname was Kiki because she kept kicking people, which is fantastic. It's the best. Like, I just I was like, well, let's. Let's set the scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a legend was born. Yes. Uh, yeah, so my first bullet might be a little further along, so if you need to hold me back, feel free. Um, but I just mentioned that her mother, Celia, didn't get to go to college. Um, she was very, very smart, but didn't get to go to college because her family um, spent their money sending her brother to college instead. And so she was determined that her daughter, Ruth, was going to go to college. Right. So that she could be a history teacher. I know. She was like, oh, if she gets an education, maybe she can aspire to be a high school history teacher. Yeah. And it's so cute. I love that. Uh, Also, another, uh, after she kicked people as a baby, at age 13, she went to like, a Hebrew camp over the summer, and at age 13, she was camp rabbi yeah. at her summer camp, I and I was just like, it's fantastic, it's, wonderful. Ugh. Okay, but yeah, so, uh, da, 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 da. and sadly, her mom passed away the day before Ruth's high school graduation. I know. Just, like, makes me so happy, though, like, to think of all of the things that she did that her mother didn't get to do. I know. And how, like, Happy that would make her. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and when she went to Cornell for undergrad, she was a sorority girl. Uh, shout out to episode two, sorority. <laughs> so girls playing. Um, yeah, she was an alpha, epsilon, phi. Probably phi. Phi, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a Jewish sorority. Oh, really? A.E. Pi is a Jewish fraternity, and I think A.E. Phi is the Jewish sorority, but let me Wait, is it that. Pi and Phi? So it's, it's Phi if it's after a consonant, and it's Phi if it's after a Okay, vowel. so what you're saying is Pi before Phi, except after... Bye. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Hold on, I want to see if this is right. Alpha, Epsilon. Uh, National Panhellenic Conference, so I'm thinking yes. Okay. I was right. Nice. Sorority uh, facts. Uh, so yeah, so then um, she... Got married to her husband and worked for a few years. And then eventually she went to Harvard Law School where she was one of nine women in a class of 500 people. But before that, she moved to Oklahoma with her husband and worked for the Social Security Administration where she was demoted when she became pregnant. 
I missed that. I missed that little tidbit. I did see the tidbit where she got paid less than male yes. coworkers because they're like, well, you have a husband, so he's making income, right. so you don't need as much right. because that's how paying your employees works. Yeah. You pay them on a needs basis. Yeah. Mm, wait, no. Yeah. Um, but yeah, oh, so, and so then when she did get to Harvard, uh, the Harvard Law Dean asked the nine women of the 500 people there... Uh, how do you justify taking a spot from a qualified man? Which, A, doesn't make any sense. No. And B, is 100% indicative of the way misogynists think. Yeah. It's, like, still the case today. It's not <laughs> yours to be taken from you. And also, like, they got, like, take it up with your admissions department. Like, I'm super confused. Yeah. Like, you're the dean, so I feel like... You you know how that happened? Yeah. Yes, it's very weird. Like, they should have gotten into Harvard Law School and then been like, I cannot accept for, I do not want to take a spot from a qualified man. I don't want to take what is rightfully his based I, on his penis. I don't understand. I'll never understand. Um, but she had to transfer to Columbia because her husband's job took him to New York, uh, where she graduated first in her class, I believe. She was the highest woman in her class. Okay, okay. Highest achieving woman in her class. Yeah, at Columbia. She also was, uh, the first woman ever to be on two journals, the Harvard Law Review and the Columbia Law Review. Yes. Um. Which is, like, very, very, very impressive if you don't know about law school journals. Yeah, so, and right after her daughter was born, which, uh, or no, right after her daughter was born, her husband was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So, while she was in law school, she started when she had a one-year-old baby, was caring for a husband with testicular cancer, and was on the law review, and, I mean, just achieved at an extraordinarily high level. Like, I, like, it's amazing. I mean... I can't imagine uh, being that much of a badass, but I'm glad she was. So even with the recommendation of a future dean of Harvard Law, she was turned down for a clerkship with Felix, uh, Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter <laughs> because of her gender. Yeah. I mean... Felix Frankfurter, by the way, I was like, oh, was he some terrible, terrible Supreme Court Justice? Uh, no, he was a founder of the ACLU. Oh, wow. So sexism was just uh, very pervasive, even among the people that you want to celebrate later. And then you're like, but no. So instead she went to clerk for another judge. Yes. But she did get a clerkship, which was also very impressive. Yes. Uh, And then she went into academia, and in 1961 she became the assistant director of the Columbia Law school project on international procedure and like learn Swedish so she could co-author a book with a Swedish guy so and then when she was in Sweden she was like hey look at all this gender equality this is better so I'm gonna make that happen in America yes oh she's so amazing um she got tenure at Rutgers founded the women's rights law reporter in 1970 and then Which was the first U.S. law journal focusing exclusively on women's rights. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Because yep. before 1970, who cared about that? Um, and in 1973, she became general counsel for the ACLU. And at which point, she had, like, pocketed all these things, like not making the clerkship and asking, uh, being asked by her dean why she took spots from qualified men and getting demoted because she was pregnant. And she unleashed... All of her fury upon the justice system. But a couple of years before that, while still at Columbia, she, uh, while teaching at Columbia, actually, she co-authored the first law school casebook on sex discrimination. Oh, I missed that one. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so now we can go back to... Yeah, so in 1972, she did co-found the Women's Rights Project at the ACLU, and in 1973, became the ACLU General Counsel. Yes, and then she just, like, tore it up at the Supreme Court for the first she time. She did so much amazing... Ugh. So much amazing advocacy at the Supreme Court and kept, like, taking 
Just, like, the strategy. The strategy um, that shows, like, just how smart she was. Yeah, she played the Supreme Court, essentially. Like, she kept taking men's cases. Uh, her She kept choosing men as plaintiffs because she was like, oh, this will show that, like, sexism hurts men and women. Yeah. She chose to use the word gender instead of sex because she knew that <laughs> the word sex would piss them off and distract, distract from the case. They're stupid, stupid male brains. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, an amazing brain she has. Uh, But she argued in front of the Supreme Court six gender discrimination cases in the 70s and won five of them. Five out of six. Five Um, out of six. Yes. Uh, And she was appointed to the U.S. Court of Appeals by Carter in 1980 when she met Antonin Scalia, who was also serving with her. So 1980 is when... That happened. 1980 is when we introduced the villain of this story. <laughs> Don't worry, there's a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> the happy ending is that he dies. Oh, but she misses him. Whatever, it's fine. Um, we'll talk about him later. <laughs> so, uh, do we have to? We don't have to. Do you uh, okay. Do you have any other uh, pre-Supreme uh, Court notes on nope. Mrs. Ginsburg? All right. So she was appointed by Clinton in 1993, and I thought it was interesting that she was recommended to Clinton by Janet Reno, mm-hmm. another wonderful uh, woman in mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stopped taking notes because I was like, and that's kind of her bio up until that point. So do you have uh, additional biographical Supreme Court notes? I do have additional, wait, so the ones from the Supreme Court? Well, not like the cases, but like more, I don't know, more like notes in that arena. No, just notes about cases. Okay, because I thought we would talk about, I mean, we could talk about cases now. I had it like that we would talk about the other women's Supreme Court justices, but we can talk about cases if you would rather. Yeah, let's go plug right on through and then we can go back to other ladies. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, so uh, RBG's Supreme Court big big things. (laughs) Supreme Court notable Notable cases. Uh, Some of my favorite dissensions. (laughs) Oh, I know. She's like, she's famous for her dissents and is referred to as the great dissenter. It's incredible. And she also, like, I also read that she didn't dissent for, like, a good many years until she became, like, the senior um, left-leaning judge. Right. Or justice. And now she just writes dissents 24-7. And she has a special collar for it. It's perfect. Um, so good. So the first uh, notable one that I wrote down was Ledbetter versus Goodyear. Mm-hmm. Uh, she dissented because uh, the majority opinion said that that the statute of limitations began the date of the paycheck, and she was like, how would women know on the date of their paycheck, each paycheck, that they were being paid less than men? Because we usually right. don't find out for, like, a while. Right. The Ledbetter, Lily Ledbetter was uh, the case that uh, was equal pay, that we mm-hmm. was, like, a touchstone uh, equal pay Supreme Court case. Yes. Um, and, it, yeah, so... Justice Ginsburg was like, uh, women do not, also don't want to bring, like, every tiny little case before the court because it's going to look petty. We're going to wait until it becomes more of a sum and more of a, like, see, see this great difference, see this great injury that is happening, so now we need to fix it. Um, so unfortunately, the, it didn't, she didn't, we didn't get that at that time. At that time. However... Years later, when the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act was passed by Congress, mm-hmm. uh, she received a great deal of credit. Yes. Because it definitely would not have happened without her. In her dissent, she specifically uh, urged Congress to address the issue. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also, uh, I mean, a very famous dissent that she wrote was uh, against the recent Hobby Lobby case. Mm-hmm. Uh, that... The Supreme Court decided that Hobby Lobby could discriminate against its female employees because they are a Christian company. Uh, because companies can have religions. Well, corporations are people too. 
um, let's not forget. So uh, she wrote uh, in her descent that I am scrolling. There's actually a Mother Jones article that I was reading that was like the eight best lines uh, from the Hobby Lobby descent. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I will read one of mine while okay. you're looking for it. Okay. So my favorite line uh, is, would the exemption extend to employers with religiously grounded objections to blood transfusions as Jehovah's Witnesses, antidepressants as Scientologists, medications derived from pigs, including anesthesia, intravenous fluids, and pills coated with gelatin, certain Muslim, Jews, and Hindus, and vaccinations? Not much help there for the lower courts bound by today's decision. So she was pointing out that, like, if you let Hobby Lobby decide that they don't want to offer birth control, are you going to let other businesses decide not to pay for blood transfusions, antidepressants, uh, anesthesia, intravenous fluids, vaccinations, because, like, that's going to make a whole, whole mess for the lower courts to deal with our decision right now. Right. Um. And she also said, approving some religious claims while deeming others unworthy of accommodation could be perceived as favoring one religion over another, the very risk the Constitution's Establishment Clause was designed to preclude. Yes. Okay, I found it. Uh, I have the ability of women to participate equally in the economic and social life of the nation has been facilitated by their ability to control their reproductive lives. Mic drop. Yeah. Um, yeah, she has been a very strong advocate for women's right to choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she also just said, the court, I fear, has ventured into a minefield. Yes. Yeah. Burning all of you to the ground. Yeah. And she's actually critical of Roe v. Wade uh, because while it did strike down Texas making abortions illegal, it also struck down other states that had more liberal laws Mm. on abortion. And she felt that state by state, the country was becoming more accepting of abortion, Mm. and she felt that Roe v. Wade overstepped in that way, which is super interesting and something I had never considered. Yeah, in general, um, she does favor, like, following things in a certain order, instead of, like, trying to use her position on the court to bring about her will, she is in favor of, like, like step by step yeah, establishing change. it yeah 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 because it's longer lasting that way yeah, which is a valid point right like it's like societal change mm-hmm. yeah rather than just sweeping legal changes um so this was not a quote from a dissent but this is part of uh safford unified school district versus redding which was a case about a 13 year old girl who was strip searched right uh, yes 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 while by a female officer who was looking for drugs and um she was talking about she in an interview she was discussing uh, that some of the judge other justices might not be as like realize as much how awful and traumatizing it is for a 13 year old girl to be strip searched and she just plainly said they have never been a 13 year old girl which again is why representation is so important yeah 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 none of the other justices at that time like None of them had ever been a 13-year-old girl. They don't know what it is to be a 13-year-old girl who is told constantly that we have to protect our bodies from ever being exposed or yeah. we lose all value in right. ourselves. And, and it's just, ter- like, it's terrifying. Ugh. And, yeah, and they just didn't take that seriously. They're like, what's the no. big deal? People are naked uh, all the time, like, at home. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um. In Ring versus Arizona, that was a case where um, she joined the majority that um, Sixth Amendment right to a trial by jury requires that a jury finds a cause to warrant death penalty in cases where the death penalty is available before that Mm -hmm. judge, it was at the judge's discretion if the death penalty would be on the table, Um, which I, I think is a good example of that incremental change uh, towards eventually, I'm sure, abolishing the death penalty is something she probably 
Um, and there's a really famous one that was the U.S. versus Virginia. Uh, that was a landmark gender discrimination case because Virginia's military institute had a male-only admissions policy, mm-hmm. which was obviously bullshit. And she, like, capped off all of her work that she did when she was counsel for the ACLU by, like, making this Supreme Court precedent that this admissions policy violated the 14th Amendment, so. Yeah. Which is... Yeah. Just... So good. (laughs) I just... There's... I... (laughs) I'm not cutting that out either. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about that. Fair. Uh, Alright. Also, I love the word jurisprudence. What a lovely word. It's a lovely word. Do we want to hop back to women justices? Sure. Sure. We are going to talk a little bit about the other female justices. I I mean, I think at this point, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, legacy is sort of just incomparable. Um, But since there are only four, I think we have time to get into it about the other three. True. Um, So Sandra Day O'Connor was the first female Supreme Court justice. She was appointed by Ronald Reaganism. And it, to me, smacks of tokenism because when he was elected, he was like, you guys, I promise I'll make there be a female Supreme Court justice if you vote for me. And she wasn't notified that she was even on the list. And he called her the day before he announced her nomination. (laughs) So... Awesome. But, like, that being said, like, it's good that it happened. Yeah, it's good that it happened. It's good that it happened. Um, yeah, and it could have been worse. Like, she was definitely a Republican, but she was no Phyllis Schlafly. Like, she was grilled in her confirmation hearing because they didn't think that she was anti choice enough for them, the Republican senators of the time. And they also were mad that she supported the Equal Rights Amendment, like, as a woman. They were like, why don't you not support the Equal Rights Amendment, Miss? So. I hope they didn't call her Miss. That I'm so offensive. I'm like they probably assuming did. that they definitely did. Excuse me, Missy. Like, can't you imagine at the first confirmation hearing for a female Supreme Court justice? They totally called her Miss. Are you kidding me? 100%. I'm going to get the transcript. <laughs> um... But uh, a really lovely thing that I read about Sandra Day O'Connor is that she, uh, later in her career on the Supreme Court, became uh, more of a swing vote mm-hmm. and um, a little less conservative. And as did Ruth Bader Ginsburg, because she started out to be considered a moderate. Right. <laughs> Um, but, but Sandra Day O'Connor's, uh, uh, jump towards the center was, uh, predicated by the Supreme Court appointment of Clarence Thomas. Ew. Once he got on the court, she was like, whatever he says is wrong. And whenever they were on the same side of a decision, if he, um, she wouldn't, like sign any of his opinions and she would write a different opinion <laughs> if he was writing the <laughs> Which he almost never did because well, he has I, yeah. no opinion about anything ri- he, no yeah. backbone. He but. used to talk sometimes. It's did more he? Of a, yeah, more than he does now, which is once per every 10 years. Um, but yeah, I just was like really delighted by that because I also despise Clarence Thomas. So, yes. So, the third woman to be a Supreme Court justice was, and is, Sonia Sotomayor. She's also the first person of Hispanic heritage, first Latina. And 12th Roman Catholic. Not sure why they noted that. (laughs) 12th Roman Catholic. All right. (laughs) Um, So, something, okay, so Sonia Sotomayor, like, my husband thinks it's weird that I'm not, like, I mean... Don't get me wrong. Like, I like her. I'm glad she's on the Supreme Court. But she's not my favorite because I'm like, well, she's not Ruth Bader 
she's not my favorite Ginsburg. She just, she does, she's, she is pretty moderate for me and she's weak on some issues, I feel, that are very important to me. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've always kind of had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about her. But reading her biographical information and learning about her as a child, uh, I feel like maybe turned me right around because she is my sister in type 1 diabetes. Um, Very nice. And she originally, as a child, wanted to be a detective, like Nancy Drew, which were the first chapter books I read. Adorable. Um, That's very cute. But then her doctors were like, you can't be a detective because you have type 1 diabetes, which is crazy. But I mean, at the time, you had to have, like, refrigerated insulin, I guess, or something. I don't know. Whatever. Um, So then she started watching Perry Mason, and then it... Like, from the age of 10, she was like, I want to be a lawyer like Perry Mason, which is just so cute. It's, it's very cute. so cute. I just love all of it. Ugh. Yeah, that's very cute. So, um... So are you, like, like with other ladies who have type... Are you, like, with other ladies who have type 1 diabetes the way I am with other ladies who have short hair, where I'm, like... Uh, it's not just like anybody I see who has type 1 diabetes. Like, uh, what's the the little Jonas? Nick Jonas? Is he the littlest Jonas? He is the littlest Jonas. The littlest Jonas has type 1 diabetes. I don't know if he's the littlest because he's, like, pretty he's like up yeah, and manly now. now. Yeah. So probably Joe Jonas is the physically face. smallest. Yeah, that's but true. he's the youngest. Nick Jonas, right. So he's Nick the Jonas, baby Jonas. He's the uh, one who dated Miley Cyrus. Right. And he's done advocacy for the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. And Mary Tyler Moore had type 1 diabetes. And, yeah. It's also how I feel about anyone who has lymphoma. Yeah. Especially if it's, like, uh, Dexter. Oh, yeah. Yes. Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Mm, I don't know. Not heard that one. Okay, I'll look it up. M.U. Football coach Gary Pinkle. (laughs) Oh, and uh, mm-hmm. Kansas City Chief, uh-huh. Eric Berry, who I have a jersey of. Uh, I have uh, the opposite thing with Halle Berry. I used to be really into Halle Berry because she had type 1 diabetes, but then she was like, um, <clears throat> I cured it with vegetables or something. And so then you're like, like oh, oh, no, fuck you. No, no, no. no. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Don't play that. Mm-mm. So anyway. Mm-mm. Anyway. More, no. So you my heart. Yeah. That's who we were talking about. Yes. Um, she uh, she went to Princeton on a full scholarship. She, like, was the child of Puerto Rican immigrant parents and grew up, like, in a housing project and worked extraordinarily hard to get to where she is. I mean, she just, like, ceaselessly worked and worked and worked. Um mm-hmm. And while she was a student, she was a strong advocate for Puerto Rican and Latinx communities in Princeton. Um, she graduated from Yale Law and then became an associate DA in New York in 1979 and worked hard AF in those streets. Like, she was out there. Like, a lot of the Supreme Court justices now and historically are kind of lived pretty pampered lives. In, in in their law uh, careers as well, but she really was like working, and I think that that's amazing. Mm-hmm. So pretty good, yeah. Um, but I do think she's weak on abortion and gun restriction, and I don't appreciate it. That's fair. So, um, actually, a. a decision that she had in the, when she was on the Second Circuit uh, about gun restrictions was, like, quoted by the Seventh Circuit to um, not hear an appeal for striking down the handgun ban in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. kind of a bummer. Yep. So. That's what's amazing to me about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, though, is that there's, like, no part of her narrative where I was like, oh, that's disappointing. Right. It was all just like, oh, you were that much more badass than I everyone yeah. realized. Are we going to Miss Elena? Mm-hmm. Elena Kagan, guys. Mm-hmm. Elena Kagan. I heart Elena Kagan. I, I, um, 
She also went to Princeton. Princeton, very popular school to go to for Supreme Court justices. Yep. Uh, clerked for Thurgood Marshall, which is pretty badass. Like, that's yeah, that's a pedigree right I know. there. Yeah. Uh, and then, well, so, yeah, so she went to Princeton for undergrad and then Harvard Law. And yes. she later became the first female dean of Harvard Law. Yeah, and when she was dean of Harvard Law, she made the program much more student-centric and like the students under her as dean were like happier and more fulfilled students that's really nice i know yeah um a like through line about her i feel like doing research about her was that she's like kept doing things and people were like how has she been qualified to do that and they were like, I don't know, she's just amazing. Like, <laughs> she was tenured at the University of Chicago in 1995, even though she hadn't published very much. And people were like, how can she be tenured at this prestigious uh, university when she hasn't published that much? And they are like, I don't know, she's just amazing. Um, and uh, she was White House counsel for Clinton. Um, but then... Um, in 2009, uh, Obama appointed her to be Solicitor General. Which was another one of those, how is she qualified yes. to do that things? Because she had never argued a case before any court. Which is nuts. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. Like, and I was just like, that's real. And she was the first woman Solicitor General, which is great. Like, except for that it was in 2009. That's bad. Um, and, uh... In 1987, little tidbit about her work in the Clinton White House, she urged Clinton to support the ban on late-term abortions because she felt like if he didn't, he would, like, lose some credibility on the issue. So she's kind of, like, got that, that strategy going as well. And also possibly a, at least was a socialist. Uh, I'm fine with that. Oh, I'm definitely fine with it. But I feel like in her undergrad, she was a socialist, and then she realized that would be, like, harmful yeah. going forward. And she was and like, so I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. What? <laughs> Never even uh-huh. heard of socialism. So, yeah. So those are our those are lady justices. And honestly, like, they're all super different from each other, except for the fact that three of them grew up in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are currently serving. Um, San Diego County is from Texas is where we grow Supreme Court justices. Most of them, although this court, I have to say, currently is pretty diverse as far as where the justices uh, were born. You have the three female justices were all born in New York, and you have one New Jersey, one Georgia, two California, one Colorado. Is the makeup I wrote it down. I feel like three New York is still three and out of nine. And one New Jersey. And one New Jersey. Three, uh, yeah, so four mm-hmm. out of nine being from New York or New Jersey. Yes, yes. Scalia was also was from New Jersey. From New yeah. York, I mean. From New York, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, like, I'm talking about Scalia. I am baffled. Baffled by this. I know that a lot of people romanticize this friendship. Um since 1980, which, like, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Antonin Scalia during his life were best friends. Yeah. They were best friends. They celebrated holidays together. When her husband passed away in 2010 and she was talking about it on the bench, he was over there crying. Um, Yeah, so he knew her husband really well because they were best friends. Like, he would hunt meat, Antonin Scalia, and then her husband would grill it. That was a thing that happened in real life. They went to India together, and there's a picture of them on an elephant, and he is in front, and somebody was like, well, what about feminism, kind of jokingly, and she said it was about weight distribution. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good bird. Yeah, she's so good, but I just, I do, I want to understand and be like, no, it's great that they could have a, but I, I don't get it me either um like how could someone who was not a friend to women have a best friend who was a woman and who not only was a woman but who like spent her entire life fighting fighting for equality and he would be like the one dissenter like no no rights are bad women should be men's property i am i am i am baffled i but maybe you know i'm sure she would tell us 
uh, us millennial women that we should learn a lesson from her her open heart. Maybe she was playing the long game, and maybe if he wouldn't have been killed by the Illuminati at a mysterious hunting lodge, he would have come around. I don't know. Mm, I don't care about the long game. I, don't. I hear that. I do not suffer fools. <laughs> I hear that. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is infinitely more patient and wise than I am. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I, she may suffer fools because she is better at everything than me. I agree. And so that she knows that she, she can is get them in the long run, but uh, I do not because I'm like I have no patience. I yeah. Maybe I no, no maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she would tell us like if we're. If we were consulting with her about how to live our lives, she would probably tell us to be friends with the Antonin Scalia's of the world, but I just don't feel like I can do that. I I can't do it. I couldn't even deal with the guy who was harassing me while I was reading outside of Starbucks today, so. Well, he was terrible, so that's... I know, but so was Antonin Scalia, and like, Antonin Scalia probably affected way more people with his terribleness than... Yes, he was terrible and the guy who harassed me outside of Starbucks. Yes. Terrible and powerful is bad. Um, okay, so I feel like she has had just such an impact on our lives, like our personal lives. Mm -hmm. Like, the... Would we have had the feeling that we could both be in law and that was fine as children if not for like Ruth Bader Ginsburg trailblazing and like fighting for women's rights in the 70s? Probably not and like especially because I so she was confirmed to the Supreme Court in 1993 when I was two years old. I was older than two but so I lived almost my entire life with her on the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah, there was always a woman on the Supreme Court during my life. Yeah. Because I was born in the late 80s, so Sandra Day was there. And there were two women um, for the majority of my life. Or two plus. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I just, I just, and I do think that it's, she has been strategic, and I think that because of that, like, no matter what happens, as long as, like, democracy doesn't fall, um, I think that a lot of the things she's fought for will remain intact because she's, like, been judicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, maybe there. So, there's... I do. There's a couple of quotes that I wanted to uh, lay out there before we wrap it up. Um, the first is she was having a conversation with U.S. Court of Appeals Judge Ann Claire Williams... And um, Judge Williams said something about her uh, RBG being a queen. And she said, I'm not a queen. You're not (laughs) Queen Ruth. I'd rather be notorious. Because she has embraced the power. It's beautiful. But my absolute favorite, as we already mentioned, um, was when she was asked. I think she maybe has said it more than once. But when she's been asked how many... um, women will be enough women on the Supreme Court. And she said, when there are nine. Uh, yeah. Because she, as she pointed out, for many, many, many years, there were nine men. Yeah. So, so we have a lot of catching up to do. We do have a lot of catching up to do. So I, when there are nine. and I'm, I was uh, thrilled when I read that. Uh, I loved it. Yeah. My favorite quote it's, ever. She's just... She's just so amazing, and she... Um, she's so fierce, and she does not back down, and... She does not give up. But she's also so human mm-hmm. and, like, so feminine. Like, she wears lace collars and, like, has a and, collection like, and... Blaming it on the alcohol when she falls asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, oh. You remember that? Yeah, I do. I actually, when I was reading about her and Scalia's friendship... Oh, and uh, I was remiss in saying... Not saying that someone wrote a comedic opera about their friendship called Scalia Ginsburg, so look that up. Um, but yeah, so she fell asleep during the State of the Union a couple of years ago, and she was like, oh, it's because they had a glass of wine. And apparently when she decided that the food was so good she had to have a wine accompaniment, Scalia uh, chortled, that's the first smart thing you've done. <laughs> yeah. So... 
do you want to sort the Supreme Court justices? Okay, are, which ones are we doing? Just the current ones? I was, gonna, I was just have the current ones. Okay. I just have the current But we could also do other ones. I could make some snap decisions. So let's get the let's get the sorting hat. I did not pre-sort for once. Okay. So well, good thing I did. Uh, I mean, Ginsburg, Griffin, Gryffindor. Yes. Like, okay, they're all very smart. I know. That's what makes it <laughs> difficult. Is I just they're all such ravens. I know. But, but she also... like founded a bunch of stuff, and she was like yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. I agree, Gryffindor. Gryffindor. Um, Hermione Granger styled. Gryffindor. She's a Hermione Granger. Like Hermione Granger. Could be based on Ruth Bader. Yeah, her, she's not a Hermione Granger. Hermione Granger is, is a Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kennedy, I think he's still Ravenclaw, though. I just feel like. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I do think that Briar is a 100% Ravenclaw, the definition of a Ravenclaw. Um, has no secondary house, Ravenclaw, AF, Stephen Breyer. I also love Stephen Breyer. He's, like, Breyer's great. low-key my fave. I mean, not really, obviously, but, like, of the men, he's high-key my fave. Um, Anthony Kennedy is another one who just gets progressively, like, more and more liberal over time. Because he's pissed. He's, like, had it with these fools. Well, and he just, like, I don't know, <laughs> My partner and I were discussing this the other day, and he was like, "Over on a long enough timeline, if like all of the current justices lived forever, like because of the progression <laughs> that's been happening, he would be the most liberal justice." <laughs> you know, they all continue yeah. to get more and more progressive over time. Yeah, I was like, when I was looking at this, I, like Wikipedia is like party Republican, and I'm like, I mean, I mean. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, he he believes very very strongly in like the American ideals. So I don't know. I kind of feel like Gryffindor too. That's valid. That's valid. Um, Thomas Squibb. No, thank you. Nope. Like, Bye. If Clarence Thomas came into the Great Hall and placed the Sorting Hat upon his head, it would say, "There's been a mistake. Go you home. You have to go away." Um. Yeah. Awful. 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 Uh, Roberts for me is a Slytherin. <laughs> Roberts for me is a Slytherin, but okay. I also, like, I just, everything he does, like, when he didn't strike down Obamacare, I was like, you want something. Like, you are trading something. I don't know. I just don't trust him. Yeah. But that's, it's my, it might not be fair. <laughs> I will admit that that might not be fair. That's uh, fine. That's good enough. I actually think that Alito is a Gryffindor. I don't think he's a good person, but I kind of think that he's like a, you know, Percy Weasley-esque Gryffindor. Yeah, but Percy Weasley shouldn't no, be a Gryffindor. No, Percy Weasley he's, shouldn't have been a Gryffindor, but he's like, but he's like. A he tr- got in on family name alone. I I agree with, with you, but like, I know um, Alito served in the military and he's just like a very, I don't know, he just seems Fine. like. Sort of a paladin. Fine, 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 fine. On military service alone, I will give it to him. Not all people in the military are Gryffindors, however, but yeah. Um, Gorsuch, Slytherin, not interested. Nope, bye. Um, you're just, you're like, you're not real, you don't count. You right, I was like, I who is, I have eight, oh, right. The oh, fake right. justice. The fake Supreme Court justice who doesn't count. Mm-hmm. And it's like so, he should not have accepted the post if he had any integrity whatever no anyone who is willing to accept it shouldn't have it yeah because yes it's like the mirror of Eris (laughs) yeah it's like the sorcerer's stone like only those who (laughs) don't want to use it should be allowed to so it's like Merrick Garland or nobody sorry right Um, not that I love Merrick Garland but like Merrick Garland, whatever. Yeah, Sotomayor, look, Sotomayor is obvious. She's probably a Ravenclaw, but I feel like you could make the argument for Hufflepuff just because she's such a hard, like, a hard yeah, she worker. she worked real, real she's, hard. You know, she's like, I feel like she's very dependable and, like, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like. I think Hufflepuff is fair. Yeah. Also, like, a lot of it could be Hufflepuff because, like, justice is 
<laughs> like fair and just. Is that it's a true. Trait? But um, <laughs> that's silly. And then um, my most uh, my most controversial opinion is on Elena Kagan because I think that she might be a Slytherin. Like the whole like I know I've never argued a case and gone on trial, but like. I think I should be the Solicitor General. See, I think it's very, very Ravenclaw because it's because she was studying. Or, like, she was, like, the first female dean of Harvard Law. Yes. I I feel like she's, but I just, I feel like she's such a... And, like, her, I don't know. She is, is, she's, like, it's for sure between those two for me, but I'm like... You might be a southern, and I'm I, I, fine with that. Like I, can I see where you're coming from. It. I, I see where you're coming from. Just like Obama's a Slytherin. Oh, and you know who loved Elena? A great one, but it's it's fine. There have been Elizabeth two and I presidents. have never disagreed so strongly. There have been two presidents life. that weren't Slytherins. They were both Gryffindors. Their names were George Washington and Jimmy Carter. But Jimmy Carter might have been a might have been a Ravenclaw, but whatever. Um, <laughs> I have such feelings right now. It's fine. You know who loved Elena Kagan and, and recommended her for the Supreme Court? Antonin Scalia. I know. So I'm just saying that. he saw something in her. I just think that, like, all of her stuff, like, the reason that she kept being, it's not like she was, like, lobbying for these things. Mm-hmm. Like, she was offered them repeatedly because they were like, you're very, very smart and talented. I don't know. Yeah, and she, but she's definitely like, I don't know. I feel like there might be some hubris that has worked out in her favor. And I love her. She's, I love, love I just feel love like her. law professors are such Ravenclaws, and it's like, because they're like, I would rather be studying. <laughs> like, going out and, like, arguing cases. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I just love learning about the law. Oh, well, that's really my that's my controversial. Uh, Slytherin okay, opinion. it's it's Slytherin that is not are always controversial. That is not Elena Kagan is absolutely not your controversial Slytherin opinion that you just laid oh, down. Oh, whatever. I mean, it is heart <laughs> of hearts. I don't, like, I'm gonna get a framed portrait of Obama and put it in my house. Like, don't get me wrong. I just Obama. think that. If you become president of the United States, you're going to be making some decisions that I wouldn't be comfortable making along the way. I mean, I don't know, whatever. Unless you're George Washington. Well, I wouldn't be comfortable making the decisions George Washington had to make either, but he's unquestionably a Gryffindor. He's like the most Gryffindor or whatever. It's fine. Um, So. (sighs) Kylie, I'm so mad. with me. Um, I'm so angry. So, uh... Teddy Roosevelt isn't a Gryffindor? No. Teddy Roosevelt? Slytherin. He might be a Gryffindor. Mm, The Rough Riders. I hear you. I know, but he, like, big game hunted, and I'm, like, not into that, but, you know. It just, that is a very Gryffindor thing to do. I'm being Slytherinist. I'm like, oh, big game hunting, immediately evil Slytherin. <laughs> no, truly, he might have also been a Gryffindor. It's true. So, three. It's just. FDR wasn't a Ravenclaw. Is that what you're telling me I right now? I think FDR was definitely a Slytherin. <laughs> he, like, the main quality of Slytherins is the ambition. Presidents are, by default, Slytherins. You have to prove in a very strong way that you are not. Email us about how right I am, listeners. (laughs) Let it it be known for all time that Elizabeth Byrd thinks that Abraham Lincoln is a Slytherin. Oh, fuck yeah, I do. I go hard on that one. Quote it here, folks. Okay, okay. Who, Who suspended the writ of habeas corpus? Oh, I think it was Abraham Lincoln. Oh, yeah. Slytherin. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that the nerdiest sentence of humans? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> um, 
And if any of us doubted that Elizabeth is a Ravenclaw, <laughs> that just went out the window. Uh, I have a With, since we now know she's the biggest nerd on the earth. Well, I think people already knew that. Um, hold on. Okay. I guess it's time for plugs. So when you're nope. eight, it's not. Woman of the Week. Oh my gosh! How could I forget Woman of the Week? I got distracted by being wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, so mine is Angela Merkel because today something terrible happened, listeners. Um, <sighs> Donald Trump, president for now, announced... That he would be withdrawing the U.S. support for the Paris Climate Change Accord. And that is fucked up in so many ways. Um, He recently went on his stupid overseas trip and Angela Merkel constantly stared at him and laughed when he spoke to her friends because she is much better than him. Um, But she is now the leader of the free world. Mm Mm-hmm. And she made that pretty clear when because she was Because we're like, not part of the free world No, anymore. she was like, hey, guys, we can't count on the U.S. anymore, or the U.K., to be honest. And I agree with her. So go forth, Merkel, and save us all, I say. She is a Slytherin. Yeah, probably. A great one. Yeah, a great one. Also, if you haven't, check out Kate McKinnon's impression of oh, it's her. It's beautiful. Lovely. Uh, all of them were just talking about her sweet Barack. <laughs> How she misses him. So good. Um, so speaking of superheroines like Kate McKinnon and Angela Merkel. Yeah, my woman of the week is Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, playing in theaters now um, as of this recording, but also as of you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, guys, she's part of the Justice League. Yeah. Justice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The Justice League. Like, Supreme Court Justice you know, I'm just thinking about like the Justice League and how you like think of like Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, and I'm thinking about like Sotomayor Kagan and Ginsburg as like <laughs> the, being Justice, the League. Justice League. Okay. Anyway. Uh Wonder Woman <laughs> is great. Uh Bless you, Alamo Drafthouse, for stirring up so many male tears by having all women screenings. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see the movie tomorrow, and I'm very excited. It's like the first big woman superhero movie, and it's getting great reviews, and it's going to make so much money. And finally, Hollywood is going to accept that women have money and that we will pay that money to see movies about women. And, and that, that also men, men will, will look at women. And that men will also pay money. And they won't throw up in their mouths, like, if yeah. a woman is on screen. Also, it had a female director. Yeah, it's all great. And it is the first DC Expanded Universe movie that's certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. True. <laughs> also, uh, my, the name of my, you know how you can change the name of, like, your phone and your iPad yeah. and stuff? My iPad is named Princess Diana. Oh, <laughs> Oh, my God. I just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And, like, every time I hear the, like, Wonder Woman theme music, like, mm-hmm. something inside of me swells. Aww. It's so exciting. And, like, whenever I was watching Batman vs. Superman and the music started and I realized that Wonder Woman was about to be on the screen, I was, like, a little kid. Just, mm-hmm. I'm really excited. And I'm really excited for girls everywhere. Yes. That this is happening. I'm not going to go into all of the history of Wonder Woman right. because we do not have time and this episode is not about Wonder Woman. Ooh, we could have an episode about Wonder we Woman. We could have an episode about Wonder Woman. We'll have to see the movie first. Yes. Um, can I say a cute story about Yes. When Wesley was a, um, like a, I don't know, he was like a, a one-year-old. He had a book, uh, a comic book of Wonder Woman and, um, and he, my stepmom was watching him and she said that he pointed to Wonder Woman and said, Mama. That's so cute. Also, right now I am looking at your children's Wonder Woman invisible plane toy. Yes, it's not invisible, but it is. <laughs> yes, and um, and and Supergirl is in the back of it, and they yes. love. They both love Wonder Woman, and um, they were fighting over who got to be uh, Wonder Woman and who got to be Supergirl the other day. It was oh wonderful. Everything is cute. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
So now we can do plugs. I'm sorry, Women of the Week, but I almost forgot you. So when you are sending your emails about how Kylie is wrong and Elizabeth is right, send them to girlsplaining without the vowels, G-R-L-S-P-L-N-N-G at gmail.com. Also girlsplaining without the vowels on Instagram, Twitter, face, well, Facebook mm-hmm. slash girlsplaining without the vowels. Um, Our theme music is Girl by the Leonas. You can, it's from their album Forbidden Fruit, and you can find it at leonasmusic.com. And if you want to find us on the internet, our website is girlsplainingshow.com with all the vowels. And I think that's all of our social media presences. So, Mm -hmm. plugs is over. It's over. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. So, what do you think about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who I just showed you? Because she looks... I don't want to say the old again. Well, other than how she looks, what do you think about what I told you? Um, she's very small. Nothing else. Nothing else. Do you think that girls and boys should be treated the same? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah,